This morning, uh, I just wanted to, I had this message prepared uh, actually several months ago and, and didn't get to uh, preach it because I was coming back from Pennsylvania and Ken was so kind to teach because we got in late uh, the day before and uh, he, he uh, had a message ready to go. And so I thought, well, we're not going to get through the whole outline today, but we're going to look at Psalm 112. So you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 112. And this is a, a message dealing with integrity. And there's several messages in the series, but we're just going to hit one of them today. And I wanted to let you know, also next week, um, Spencer Reveille is coming once again from the Master's College or Master's Seminary. And him and Sarah and their little baby will be with us. They're coming on Friday and uh, I invited him to the Christmas dinner, so he was excited to get to spend time, more time with us here. And so he'll be up here Friday morning and um, pray for their travels. It's always unnerving traveling with a young one, <laughs> that young especially. But pray they arrive safely and, and also uh, uh, pray for our grandson Mason. He goes back to college today, back down to uh, the Master's College, and uh, he'll be finishing up his semester there. And so... Hope you all had a good Thanksgiving, and it looks like everybody's uh, still full, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Just a reminder, we had some food afterwards, got some of the desserts left over and whatnot, and you don't want to miss it, so if you're inclined to hang around and spend a little time fellowshipping after the service, we provide that for you over in the fellowship hall, and we'd love to have you uh, come over and spend some time with us. A couple of weeks, we'll be having our meeting, uh, year-end meeting for the church, and that's open to regular tenders and members of our church and really anybody who wants to come. But uh, we'll be adopting the new budget for the next year. And I uh, pray for Ken and I as we work through those details in the coming weeks. But integrity. Uh, it's kind of interesting when you think of that word integrity. Um, I was reading an um, illustration from the Titanic. And originally they thought the Titanic went down because it hit a iceberg, which it did, but they thought that's what actually sank the ship. And as they were able to um, scientifically go down and, and look at different aspects of this wreck, they realized that that's not really the case, that um, the iceberg that they hit really just accentuated all the little small little fractures that were already in the hull of that ship. And so it was a bunch of little little fractures that led to the sinking of that that massive ship and you know that's kind of how integrity is in our lives when you stop and think about it it just takes a little chink in the armor right just a little compromise and just maybe a small area nobody sees and pretty soon it's a gaping hole and the ship goes down um, this is kind of a integrity 101 series. We're going to be looking at a couple different passages in Psalms, but the one that I mentioned to you was in Psalm 112. And, and I think when you hear the word integrity, a lot of people think a lot of different things. Um, some people hear that word and they view it as an accusation. Are you saying, I don't have integrity? Uh, some people feel they don't have any integrity. They say, yeah, lack of integrity, that's me. <laughs> you know, I'm number one in the line. I don't have it, I never had it, and I never will. That's some people's attitude. And they feel that they've dug themselves in such a hole that they could never get out of it. They could never crawl out of that, 
that hole to have any integrity at all. And so they always feel that any kind of integrity in their life will always, always be out of reach. That's not true, by the way, but that's how they feel. Other people, when they hear the word integrity, they pat themselves on the back and they say with a smug self-satisfaction, of course, that's me. I'm the model of integrity. Look at me. I have integrity. I am the top tier of integrity. And that's the problem with that word, integrity, is it not? Similar to the word character. Uh, Many people pick and choose how they want to apply it. They pick and choose what character means to them. They pick and choose what integrity means to them. The first church I was in, I was meeting with a pastor one day, and he was telling me a story of how he went on and... um, he had a youth pastor who had applied at the previous church he was at, and he said, but I didn't hire him. You know, he lacked integrity. And I said, well, what did you mean? What do you mean by that? And he said, wow, he was disorganized. He had some financial issues, and he, he just didn't seem to have any integrity at all. And this is after I had worked with this man for about a year and a half, and I thought, wow, okay. Um, you have a different kind of model for integrity, um, if you're organized and you balance your checkbook, I guess you're a man of integrity. That was his standard. But when people looked at this individual's life as a pastor, um, unfortunately, it wasn't. Wow, this guy's a hard worker. He just has integrity, a wonderful work ethic. It was more like oh, he's kind of lazy. <laughs> He had a file of all the sermons that he preached in all the previous churches. He called me over to his office one Wednesday night. I was studying for a Wednesday night youth group. He goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm studying for the youth group meeting tonight. Come here, I'll show you how to do this. And he took me over to his office and he opened up the file and he said, see all these, these are two and a half years of messages. When I go to a new church, I just start and just go right through them. I'm like, you never, well, I mean, I review them, but no, I don't have to do it twice. And I thought, wow, that's kind of lazy. And I thought, you know, if there's one word that would describe his work ethic was just that. He wasn't not a work, a hard worker. He was fun to work for because we were always going to lunch and always doing whatever, you know. He was a fun guy to work for. But I just thought, wow, um, his idea of integrity was being organized. But when people looked at his work ethic, they didn't really see much integrity. And see, that's why we have to be careful how we use this word, integrity. And I think everyone fails the integrity test um, in at least a few areas of our lives. In fact, if you look at the top of your outline, there's a little integrity assessment there. Don't take it now. Okay, this is something that you take by yourself. And this is for yourself. It's not for your spouse. It's not for your, your, your nephew or your nieces or your son or your daughter. It's for you. And it's, it's an eye-opening little assessment. And you kind of grade yourself on 1 to 10 on each of those little areas, put in the number, add them up, and then grand total. If you're perfect in your integrity, you'll have a score of, what, 150, which I doubt anyone here. I know no one here will have 150. If you do, you don't understand the test. You don't understand the assessment. You must be assessing someone else other than yourself. So you've got you to gotta be aware of that. But there's just a couple areas there that, you know, and there's more that you could add to this, but I just 
for time's sake, I, I put down telling the truth, keeping your word, in other words, doing what you said you would do, showing up on time to meetings, work, appointments, managing your money, doing your job, whatever God has assigned you to do, uh, allow your boss to have an honest day's work from you, sharing credit. A lot of people want all the glory for everything, but it's important to learn how to share the credit with other people. Um, in our modern day internet browsing history, <laughs> what's that look like? What, what sites are you visiting? Um, our conversations, how we talk, how we interact with each other, how we talk about others. Uh, this was very convicting for me, or even our own vocabulary. Um, Giving, what do we give to the Lord in our offerings? Being willing to help others, and not just when it's convenient, but maybe when it's inconvenient for you to help others. Uh, Managing your emotions, this is a big one for me. Anger, self-pity, pride, bitterness, arrogance, patience. How do you do in those areas? Do they speak of integrity? Um, respect. Treat people with dignity, regardless of their color, their position, their economic status. How's your prayer life doing, if you're a believer? Um, is prayer the foundational part of your life? Bible study. Are you spending time in the Word of God each day? Are you worshiping? And we're not just talking about church attendance. You know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I go to church on Sunday, check. No, I'm talking about your devotional life. I'm talking about waking up in the morning and spending time with the Lord, um, surrendering to and celebrating the lordship of, of Jesus Christ in your life each and every day. Because I don't know about you, but just because I trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life, it does not mean that I acknowledge and surrender to him every moment of every day. There are times when I say, no, I'm going to do this my way. And I'm not surrendering to his lordship in my life. Uh, You could add a bunch of other things there. But it's just a good little kind of integrity spectrum, a little assessment for you to understand. And, you know, if you take that off and when you're on your own and you take that and you come up with kind of a low score, (laughs) you know, this is what we want to do. We want to grow in our integrity. We don't want to just assume that, you know, we'll never have any integrity at all. And so this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 112 because it's my prayer that that number, whatever it is when you're done with your assessment, will increase over time. That you can go back in a month or two months and three months and and you'll see that number go up because of what we're going to speak about this morning. So I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 112. And we're just going to read um, uh, the the psalm here this morning. So stand in honor of God's word, if you would, please, in Psalm 112. And it says here, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. 
It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks into triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Father, we ask you to bless this text to our hearts as we just uh, kind of carefully go over it this morning generally and apply some principles to our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want us to start off here, and I put these in your outline there. There's basically, when you're talking about integrity, there's three foundational principles that you have to understand. The first is this. Integrity involves every area of your life. It involves every area of your life, not just the areas that you're good at. See, that's how we like to judge our integrity. We look at something we're really good at and say, oh, yeah, I am a man of integrity because I don't do that or I don't do this. But how's this other area? So it involves every area of your life. Secondly, no matter where you are today on this integrity spectrum, on this index of integrity, guess what? You can get better. You can improve. With the help of God, with the help of his word, with the help of his Holy Spirit. If you're, if you're, like I said, score was a 15 when you take this assessment. That's not very good. Okay, that gives you one in every category. That's at the bottom of the barrel. But you know what? It's not too late. It's not too late to make changes. It's not too late to ask God to, to help you reorganize whatever you need to reorganize. And start climbing this integrity ladder. And the third principle is this. That integrity, the integrity that matters most, and this is very, very important for us to hear this, the integrity that matters most is what? Your integrity. It's not your neighbor's. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your son. It's your daughter. It's your integrity. See, if we understand that we are accountable personally, before a holy God, that he doesn't miss anything. We realize very quickly that, wow, we need to have integrity in our lives as believers because we're, we're quick to evaluate our husband or our wife or neighbor or brother, sister, whatever, anybody other than ourselves. We don't like to evaluate ourselves. You know, sometimes people ask, well, you know, did, did you listen to your message last week? And I'll go, no. <laughs> I mean, I edit it, but that's about it. I try to take out the ums and the uhs and whatever to make it a little more concise for the radio. But no, I don't really like to listen to me teach. It's, it's just kind of an awkward thing. And yet, you know what? It's a, it's a needful thing. It's hard to, to watch yourself on a video for some people. It's hard to listen to your voice and, and to be honest about it. Because usually you want to run and hide and go, oh, that's how I sound. But see, we're, 
we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to stop and say, how am I doing spiritually in, in my own life? So this series isn't about evaluating other people. It's not about the integrity of other people. It's about your integrity, your own personal integrity. Now, there are times when you have to make decisions based on the integrity and the, the perception of someone's integrity, whether you're hiring somebody for your business, maybe you're getting married, whether you're entering into a contract or you're hiring, whatever it might be, you're going to have to assess the other person's integrity to some degree. You know, you don't want to hire a bank robber to assess your own finances. I mean, that would be stupid, right? So, but for the purpose of what we're going to be talking about, I want you to be focusing on and developing and increasing your own personal integrity. Just kind of put blinders on and say, okay, this is about my heart. It's not about the heart of the person sitting next to me. And it's, it's really integrity 101. And we're talking about the fundamentals of integrity, where it begins, what it looks like, where it takes you. And these are key to Christian living. Well, the first point here, the foundation of integrity, look at what he says in verse 1. David sums it up really with, with one verse here. He says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and greatly delights in what? His commandments. You know, in the years I've been a Christian, when I've looked at men and women who I've had the privilege to work with and work alongside of and things like that, I could honestly tell you that there are, are certain individuals who have demonstrated more consistently across the board in the area of integrity. They really have. They've stood out. Integrity in all areas of their professional life, you see their personal life, it's, it's there. The integrity's there. And these are are men and women who base their lives on, on two things, and they're pointed out here for us. The first of all, they fear the Lord. They fear the Lord. Um, what does that mean, to fear the Lord? At its most fundamental level, you could say, you know, it means you're able to say, and this is kind of a general definition, there is a God, and guess what? It's not me. I'm not the center of the universe. We've all met people who think they're the center of the universe. Have we not? Mistakenly. They thought the world revolves around them and their wants and their needs, their goals, their dreams. Everything is about them. Now, these usually tend to be very talented people. They tend to be very driven people. They tend to be very accomplished people. But they also tend to be very selfish people, generally tremendously selfish people. When you live like you are the center of the universe, what happens is people around you begin to pay the price. It affects not just you, it affects others. And see, integrity begins at the very fundamental level with an attitude that says, you know what, I'm not the be-all, end-all in my little world. There is a God in heaven who created me to whom I am accountable day in and day night, day in and day out. Every time of the day, every moment of the day, God is able to observe what's going on in our lives. We can't hide anything from him. 
I would take it a step further and say that it's not just about recognizing that there is a God. It's also about having a personal one-on-one relationship with him. And this is a wonderful truth. That God has provided a way for us to have a, a relationship with him. I mean, he is so far above our pay grade, and yet he stoops down, as the song says, and, and still, even though he threw the, the stars into space, created everything around us, he still takes time when we call on him to hear our voice, to answer our prayer. What an incredible God we serve, amen? But you have to have a personal relationship with him. It's understanding that there's more to life than just this physical world that we can touch and see around us. There's so much more. There's a, there's a spiritual element to life. And so many people miss this because we can't see it. It's not visible to our eyes. It's not seen with our eyes, but it's experienced in the depth of our soul. That's where God works. That's where God desires to work in your life and in my life. He's not so much concerned how we look, what we wear, how we smell. He doesn't care about that. Now, we may care about that, obviously, but he doesn't, right? He looks at what? He looks at the heart. He looks at what's going on inside. And in order to be fully human and fully alive and completely whole, by the way, that's what that word integrity means, whole, complete, undivided. In order to be a complete human being, we need to have a thriving spiritual life. If you're here today and you haven't tapped into the spiritual side of your own soul, you're missing out, trust me. God wants to know you in a personal way. He's provided a a means to do that through the cross of Christ. Jesus came here to earth. He lived a perfect life for 30-some years. And then he took it upon himself to go to a cross to give up his life as a completely righteous being, full of righteousness, completely righteous. And yet he allowed all of our sin to be placed on him. The Bible says he became sin for us. And as a result of that, as our sins were transferred to Christ, what did he do? He transferred his righteousness to us. If we're willing to believe, if we're willing to trust in his sacrifice on the cross. There's so many people that are trying to maintain t- integrity or get integrity by, through their own righteousness. And it's so fleeting because you can't be righteous enough for God to have a relationship with you. It will never work. God desires to know you in a personal way, and he's provided the means, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're sensing sin in your heart, in your life, and you're feeling the conviction, it's not conviction of my words, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling you, yes, you have to deal with your sin. You have to bring it to Christ. Look to Christ. Trust Christ. Stop trying to clean yourself up. It's not going to work. Integrity begins with that relationship, that personal relationship with God. And our relationship with God is through Christ. Integrity begins with surrendering yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
I'm not in control anymore. Lord, I want you to be in control. I would say probably most of you here today have done just that. You've come to a point in time in your life where your sin overwhelmed you and you realize there's no way out. You can't work hard enough to get rid of the filthiness of your own sin before a holy God. And so what do you do? You, you cried out to God, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me, God, from my sin. And you experienced salvation. You experienced God washing you, forgiving you, restoring you in your own walk, in your relationship with him. At that time, you were what the Bible calls born again. That's how bad you were. You couldn't just clean yourself up. God said, no, I could have start all over. You have to be born again. That's where spiritual life begins. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. See, so many Christians, they come to Christ, they make a decision for Christ, and they think, well, yeah, I did it. That's it. Are you a Christian? Yeah, 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 I, I did that. I walked the aisle, raised the hand, threw the stick in the fire at camp, did whatever, prayed the prayer. When was that? Oh, I was, you know, I was like 14. I was like 50 years ago. I, I often want to go, what has Christ done for you lately? What has he done for you lately? Because, see, every day we need to surrender ourselves afresh, anew, to his lordship in our lives. Every morning when, we, when our eyes open up in bed, the first thing we should say is, Lord, you know what? Today, this is your day. I am yours. I got a schedule. I got a plan. But, Lord, I'm yours. And if you see fit to change it, so be it. It, it makes life exciting. It makes life adventurous because I don't know what God has for us today. Only God does. And when you're willing to surrender your heart and your life to his plan and set yours as kind of secondary, wow, the horizons just open up. And you see to begin to see God work in ways that are just amazing. It's not that you need to be saved every day. I'm not saying that. You're saved when you put your faith, your trust in Christ. But every day, you, you kind of need to reassess that surrender of your life to Christ. Because I don't know if you're like me, but... You know, if I don't do that every day, it kind of grows cold. I forget who's in charge. I actually start thinking I'm in charge. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I think this is a good plan. And God has to lovingly, graciously humble me and bring me back to the point where once again, I'm at his feet. I'm at his knees, submitting to his lordship in my life, saying, Lord, this isn't about me. It's all about you. See, then you can become the person that he designed you to be. Fully human, fully alive, fully whole. And you begin to see God work in ways that's just amazing. But it starts with the fear of God. The fear of God. Secondly, he says here, the second part of that verse says, he greatly delights in his commands. Greatly delights in his commands. I mean, what's he talking about? He, he's talking about having a moral compass. He's talking about at a very fundamental level. He's talking about a person who understands the difference between right and wrong and prefers to do what is right. 
You can't be a person of integrity without a strong moral compass. You say, well, where does that come from? What is our moral compass? Well, he says he greatly delights in what? In his commands, in God's commands. See, if we take this book and we set it aside, guess what? We have no moral compass. Just read Romans 1. When you take God out of society, you end up where Romans 1 ends up. And it's not pretty, trust me. But we're living it every day. The commands of God, in other words, the Bible, the scriptures, helps us define the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Because you know what? If you just left it up to me or up to you, we're all going to have different definitions. Can you imagine pulling up to a four-way stop and saying, well, you know, I don't feel like stopping today. So I'm just going to ignore the stop sign. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing. So I'm feeling that stop sign's not there, so I'm just going to coast on right on through. Well, you may make it through the intersection, but I'll tell you what, you do that over and over and over and over again, what's going to happen? Sooner or later, you're going to have a wreck, and it's going to be horrendous. I see it all the time right out here at this four-way stop. Guys coming up. Their pickup trucks, getting air, going, blowing right through that stop sign. And I'm thinking, wow, what if someone was in the crosswalk? What if, what if someone was crossing the street? What if a car was pulling out? They have no moral compass. They don't care. See, our moral compass is the word of God. And we're going to be talking about your relationship with the Bible as we work our way through this series, but through Scripture, we learn how to develop kind of an across-the-board approach to personal integrity. Because I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, it challenges me to excel in every area of my life. I never read the Bible and go, yeah, got that one. (laughs) I'm good in that one. I'll skip that verse from now on. No, it's just reaffirming my own sinfulness before a holy God. It's pulling off all my self-righteousness, letting me just lay bare before God and, and saying, wow, I am a mess. I need your word to show me. See, we're tempted to say, well, you know, yeah, I'm a person of integrity. I'm never late for work. I don't like to miss appointments. I try to pay my bills on time. what the Holy Spirit has a tendency to do, at least with me, is when I'm reading Scripture, he takes the Scripture and he says, you know what, Steve, all that stuff's good. How's your thought life? You seem pretty critical about some people. Do you think that pleases me? How do you treat your own family? How do you treat your wife? Do you have any biases, maybe, you need to confess? See, if you want to become a person of integrity, you have to lay yourself bare and and be honest with yourself. And here's where you start. You start every morning. Open your eyes and you get alone with God. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. I'm not saying you have to kneel down next to your bed on a cold wood floor for hours. 
You can actually do it laying in your bed. I told somebody one time, you know, do you have a problem sleeping? No, not usually. I sleep pretty well. And I said, usually I'll just turn the Bible on and go to sleep in my headphones. You fall asleep when, the, when you're supposed to be listening to the word of God? I'm like, well, no, I'm falling asleep. But it's just a good way to kind of go to sleep, I think, hearing the word of God in my ears. They thought that was disrespectful. I thought, that's not disrespectful. Every morning, get alone with God. Just you and him. Open up your Bible. Spend 10, 15 minutes asking God, what, what's, what's on the agenda today, Lord? What are you going to show me afresh in your word today? Find a book you've never read and start reading it in the Bible. And ask God to speak to your heart. Begin with praise. If you're a believer, praise him for your salvation. (laughs) You can start there. Submit yourself to his lordship once again. Dedicate yourself to do his will each day. And then ask him to speak to you through his word. Now you're not going to hear an audible voice. God speaks through the written word and through his spirit. And he will do that. And meditate on that passage of scripture. If you've never done it before, start with an easy book. Start with something like Proverbs. There are pithy little sayings in the Old Testament. You know, if you read one proverb every day, maybe maybe takes you a couple minutes. If you just read one proverb every day, a chapter in Proverbs, by the end of the month, you'll complete the whole book. Pretty amazing. Or start in the New Testament with a small book like the book of James. You don't have to read the whole thing in one setting. Take five verses and say, you know what, I'm just going to read these five verses. And God, what do you have for me this morning? If you make that a daily habit, if you put that into practice, what you'll learn during your time with God is, is your integrity index will increase in almost every area of your life. Why? Because you're exposing yourself to God's moral compass for you. You're exposing yourself to his truth, his word. A life of integrity begins when you connect spiritually with God and delight yourself in his word. Secondly, that's the foundation, but look at integrity in action. What does integrity look like? You you can sum it up with three words. A person of integrity treats people well. Treats people well. Think about it. Every time you encounter another person, no matter who they are, you have the opportunity... The God-given opportunity to put holiness into practice. God has called us to be holy, has he not? That's very clear. And holiness is really about how we treat other people. And the same can be said for integrity. A person of integrity treats people well. And David gives us some examples here. Most of them are self-explanatory, so we're not going to spend a lot of time here. But let's go through them quickly and give some thought to each one. First of all, he says, a person of integrity is, verse 4, they're gracious. Gracious. He is gracious, he says. In other words, a simple thank you when someone gives you something. Or maybe congratulating somebody on their success or, or their win or whatever it might be. It can mean even accepting defeat with dignity. Or on the other side of that, winning with humility. 
It can mean showing appreciation for someone's effort. Even if, even if their effort was less than perfect. Maybe they didn't do it exactly how you thought you could do it. But they put forth effort. It can mean offering gentle correction rather than harsh criticism. Integrity is kindness void of condescension. In other words, someone who's pleasant. They're gracious, but they're also compassionate. Secondly, this doesn't just mean that you understand how it feels to be in another person's shoes. Not just that. Compassionate, they're merciful. But it means that you're willing to take a few steps in their shoes. Big difference. A person of integrity is merciful. They're compassionate. It doesn't mean you become the, the breadbasket for the world and just, you know, like a mat and everybody walks all over you. We're not talking about that. But it means that you're less likely to judge others and more likely to be an agent for change in their lives. You know what? That's one thing that hit me hard this past week. Because I don't tend to be a very compassionate person. I don't tend to be very merciful just in my own personality. And sometimes, you know, that affects the way people deal with me. So we need to work on these areas. Thirdly, righteousness. Righteous. Many people equate the word righteous with religious behavior or kind of like a holier-than-thou mentality. We're not talking about that kind of righteousness. That's a self-righteousness that comes from our own thinking of ourselves in a certain way. Really, righteousness isn't really a religious word. It, It basically means right doing, doing right. A person of integrity does what is right, period. If they make a promise, what do they do? They keep it. If they owe a bill, what do they do? They pay it. If they make a mistake mistake in life, what do they do? They try to correct it. See, that's a person you can depend on when they're trying to do everything that's right in, in every area of their life. And fourthly here, they're generous, verses 5 and 9. He points this out pretty clearly. He says, a person of integrity tends to be generous. He lends freely, scattered his gifts to the poor. It's kind of like indiscriminate, just kind of like here. Take this. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can apply this to your lives, but I was reading this article this past week, and it gave an example some time ago. I don't know when it happened, actually, but this thing went viral on the Internet. And an individual went into a restaurant, and when... The guy got his bill, as many restaurants do. The tip was already written in, 18%. And he had a small bill. It was like $6 tip. And this individual looked at that and said, that's kind of presumptuous. They thought that was wrong somehow. So they crossed it out. And they put zero. Zero percent. And then he signed his name. And he put on the thing, if I give God 10%, I'm definitely not giving you 18. 
pastor so-and-so. Well, someone in the restaurant saw the bill, got a little ticked off, as you could tell, took a picture of it, posted it to Facebook. The thing that just went bonkers, right? And, you know, I mean, to the pastor's defense, he did say that he did leave a, a, a cash tip there. But you know what? Still, those words were offensive. They were not generous words by any means. And it caused a big uproar. And you know what? Um, you have to kind of understand when you go out to eat, the system in our country is that these people who work in these restaurants live off their tips. That's what they do. They make a living off their tips. And so as a Christian especially, you know, um, many people, you have to understand, that live you know, in today's society and work in these busboy kind of you know, jobs. They're, they're not living lives of opulence. They're kind of on the edge of poverty. They're just scraping by. You know, and if you don't like that system, then don't eat in the restaurants is my, my thing. But, I mean, when I go and eat in a restaurant, I always try to leave a, a healthy tip. I don't care. I mean, I've eaten in restaurants where, I mean, one restaurant we ate in one time, I ate ha- half the steak and realized it was rancid, literally. And they tried to give me another one, you know. Oh, what? Nah, I'm not eating anything else here, man. I'm out of here. But I still left a tip. I left a tip. Why? wasn't the the waitress or the waiter's problem. I mean, yeah, maybe the cook in the back should have looked at the meat a little better. But I mean, we're talking about people's living here. You know, and when we don't, aren't generous in that way, you're basically refusing to pay someone for their work. Think about that next time you go to leave a tip. They're basically operating on on a faith Right? They're coming, they're serving you, they're trying to be nice to you. And, and you know what? If they're not nice, well, I even am gracious most times. A person of integrity is generous. And then, fifthly here, he also says he's fair-minded. Conducts his affairs with justice, it says. Um, we know when something is fair, right? And when something isn't. We... God has given us the ability to understand that. And we've all seen people in power, whether it's in politics or even in some religious circles, that rationalize the mistreatment of of poor, they rationalize racism, they rationalize injustice, they, they go down that road. But you know what? The person of integrity knows no such rationalizations. They're honest. They're they're willing to say, yeah, that was wrong. They're fair minded. I mean, even, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting, you know, I don't agree with our president on a lot, probably most of what he's doing, obviously. But you know what? I mean, there are some people out there that, you know, he says one little misstatement. I mean, the guy's, how old is he? Of course he's going to make misstatements. We all make misstatements. It's just not in front of the whole world to see. And people mock him, and, and I get it. I mean, you know, it's advantageous for them to do that. But we have to stop and we have to realize, you know what, let's, you know, if I'm going to make fun of him, then I'm going to pray for him too. Pray that God gets a hold of his heart. The person of integrity does all things in a spirit of fair 
mindedness, even handedness, and justice. Because integrity in action treats people well. So if you want to become a better on your integrity index, take a real close look at how you interact with others. Are you gracious? Are you compassionate, merciful, righteous, generous, fair-minded? Every time you treat another person according to those principles, you increase your integrity with them. And like I said, none of us have arrived. We can all, I was very convicted this week, just reviewing this message that I prepared before. Because I thought, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm missing it here. I'm missing it there. But you know what? We're all missing it to some degree. And if you had to be perfect in order to preach, guess what? There'd be no preachers. So we see the foundation of integrity. We see the integrity in action. And then lastly here, integrity's payday. Integrity's payday. More things that you can do to increase your integrity. Um, talk about things that integrity leads to. That you can actually expect to see in your life. As you live your life in which you fear God, you delight in his word, and you treat people well. Here's, here are some of the things that are, that are going to be harvested in your life. First of all, you'll be blessed. Notice he says there, blessed is the man. <laughs> blessed is the man. It's, it's one of those religious words that we kind of use in our when you know, somebody sneezes, oh, bless you. Or we, oh, I was blessed. We use it in a religious context. But really, it, it, some translations translate it happy. How blessed is the man? How happy is the man? Now, that translation leaves a little bit to be desired because it means so much more than just being happy. But you could define it that way. One scholar defined the word in the Hebrew this way. He says, blessed means to endue with power for success, prosperity, productivity, creativity, and longevity. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where something went right, just everything went right, and you went, yeah! Got it. You know, you see it in sports. Yeah, we, we got the touchdown. We got, we, it's, everything just came together in a moment in time. It's like, kind of like that yes moment. See, integrity pays, paves the way in our lives so that you can't achieve integrity by taking shortcuts. Or by taking advantage of others. Sooner or later, that's going to catch up with you. And it's not going to look real pretty. The bottom line is the person with integrity feels much better about themselves. They're not looking over their shoulder. They're not wondering, wow, when am I going to be found out? You're experiencing more of God's power. Your work is more meaningful. Your relationships are more satisfying. Why? Because you're blessed. That's what that word means. Just overall, your life is going pretty good if you're trying to be a person of integrity. He says there, wealth is and riches are in his house. Wealth is and riches. They're, they're, that's, wealth and riches are, are relative terms, obviously. Um, I heard one guy say one time, you know, I'm just not content in my life to spend the rest of my, 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 my life eking out a, a six-figure income. I want the real money. And I thought, wow, 
You know what? There's a lot of countries in the world where a six-figure income puts them way, way over the top. You know, it's a very relative term, right? Wealth and riches. But I would say that a person who walks in integrity has enough because they're blessed. A person of integrity tries, at least, to manage their money well. They try to live within their own means. They try to create stability and security. That's not easy. That's not easy. It's hard. And I've lived many of my days in my life stressed out over finances, trust me, because of stupid decisions that I made. But that's where God's grace comes in. And integrity motivates us as believers to give to the Lord. To give, to, to, to release some of what God has given to us and say, hey, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to bless this ministry or this charity or whatever, this church. See, the word blessed or happy doesn't imply that you never have any problems. We're not saying that because every one of us has problems on a daily basis usually. But it does mean that your life will be rewarding in every area. Another payoff for the life of integrity is, secondly, you'll be a positive influence on others. It says in verse 2, his children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. His righteousness endures forever. The person who lives in integrity leaves behind kind of a legacy of influence. I mean, we all leave behind a legacy of influence. It just depends what kind of influence you're talking about, right? It could be bad. It could be good. Some legacies are better than others. I mean, people of integrity hopefully leave something behind for their children that can't be included in the will. There's something a little more there. A legacy of care, a legacy of love, a legacy of example somehow. Not perfect, but it's there. It amazes me as a pastor when I do people's Funerals, memorial services, it always amazes me after I'm done with the service and everything, people will come up and they'll just talk and talk and talk about the person who had just died. And they'll say, man, I wish you would have known this person if I didn't know him. I wish you would have known this person. It's just incredible. And they'll go on and on about how this person has influenced them in a positive way. And I thought, boy, I hope... I pray that, you know, when I'm dead and gone, that, you know, somebody feels that there's been some positiveness injected into their lives as a result of mine. Another payoff for the life of integrity is you'll, you will live above your circumstances. It says in verse 4, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Even in the dark times. There's something there. There's something positive there. Verse 7, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8, his heart is secure. I mean, just look at those words. No fear of bad news. Steadfast, trusting, secure. No fear. I mean, who doesn't want that? In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. man once told me, ever since he's come to Christ, since I've 
been forgiven of my sin and I've, I've yielded my life to Christ. I'm not afraid when that phone rings anymore. I said, what do you mean? Oh, man, he goes, before I had security in Christ, I was afraid uh, somebody died in my family. It's a pill collector. It's something finally caught up with me. They're after me. I was fearful to answer my phone, my own phone. He was afraid of getting bad news, of a disaster. And then he met Christ, and he got serious about following him. And he said he changed the whole way of thinking. He said, I'm no longer afraid of bad news because there is no bad news in Christ. A person of integrity isn't afraid of getting found out. They're not afraid of their house of cards collapsing all around them. They're not afraid that some, something will happen that somehow they don't have the strength to handle. Because a person of integrity has a a secure, they have a a steadfast heart, the Bible says. Why? Because the person of integrity fears the Lord. The person of integrity delights in his commands. This past week, just one phrase kept coming to my mind over and over and over again, and it's simply this. You know what? Integrity is worth it. Integrity is worth it. It's worth the effort. It doesn't come naturally. None of us have integrity just naturally. The Bible says we're what? We're born in sin. There's none righteous. No, not one. That does not sound like integrity to me. But in Christ, in Christ, he can give us the integrity we need. But we have to work for it. It's worth it for the good it will do in the lives of others. And it's worth it for the good that God will pour out in your own heart, in your own soul. Do you want a life of integrity? Do you want to live a life of integrity? I I would just encourage you to surrender yourself today and every day of your life, for that matter, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Get into his word. Tap into that spiritual side of your life. You may have every I dotted and every T crossed in your physical life, but how's your spiritual life? Decide today that you're going to fear God and you're going to delight in his his commands. You're going to take pleasure in doing what is right. And not just in the areas that come naturally to you, but in the areas that don't come so naturally. Decide today, decide today that you want to be a person full of integrity, fully human, fully alive, and fully whole. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, it's a humbling subject because none of us have a perfect score when it comes to our own personal integrity. We've all at times lost our temper. We've all at times lied about something. We've all at times done something that has been dishonoring to you in some form or fashion. But Lord, we know that as we throw ourselves upon the grace of Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary for our sins, Lord, all that mess that we create in our lives is covered. And Father, that we can press on knowing that you're a God who cares for us deeply, who loves us incredibly. 
and has provided a way of salvation for us through your son. And if there's anyone here this morning who has yet to put their faith or trust in Christ, Lord, I pray today might be the day that they cry out to you. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, I know I've done things that have been dishonoring to you. I've used your name in vain. I've been disrespectful of my parents. I've been treated my friends wrongly. I've lied. I've done a variety of things, Lord. You know what they are. Confess those sins to him. And claim his forgiveness that he, he offers you forgiveness through Christ. And you make a commitment here today, Lord, I, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for Christ. I want to see you work in my life in a way that only you can. Help me in the area of integrity in my own life as I commit myself afresh to you. And for believers here today, Lord, there's none of us are perfect. We all fall short. And Father, it's refreshing to know that we're all in the same boat. We're all in need of your grace, moment by moment, day by day. There's none of us that can claim, oh, I got this, and yeah, I don't sin anymore, I'm above that. No, we, we continue to sin, even though we know that you give us the power to live above that sin. But, Father, we still fail, we still fall. We still falter, and, Lord, it's your grace that sustains us. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow us the grace toward others that you have toward us, the forgiveness toward others that you have toward us. And so, Lord, we pray today that you would just uh, bless the remainder of our time across the way. Pray you'd bless our food to our bodies and, and just a fellowship that we share. Give us a good week. We look forward to how you're going to use us this week. Lord, this is the time of year when you can begin to talk about Christ and why he came and load up on your tracks and, and be able to share the gospel message boldly. And people seem to be a little more open to it around the Christmas holiday season. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be strategic and how you want us to do that. But Lord, I pray that we would do it boldly and uh, for your glory. We ask you to just bless us today in Jesus' precious name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll close with one last song.